Customs, I can get back on my regular schedule of you know doing an episode every week. So, and before I like jump into our news section and then into our main topic, um, to catch up on my make sure my schedule is on point and make sure everything I am doing an episode today and then Wednesday I will also be posting an episode that way we can catch up. So there will be an episode this, there'll be an episode that will be released today, there'll be an episode uh, Wednesday, and then there'll be an episode next Friday to catch up, so that way we're not behind, we're not missing anything, so, you know, we can keep on track of the theme of the month. And I will talk about the theme at the, well, when I'm getting to the main topic, but as from anyone who probably heard the opening, you could probably already guess what this um month theme is but let's just get into our news section there's quite a bit of news that's been you know going around late last couple of days last few weeks so first one from cbr.com they're talking about the new digimon reboot i'm sure anyone who is a fan of the digimon franchise anyone who was like me who grew up watching the original digimon adventures who probably watched all these series um I'd be interested in knowing, like, which one, which ones did you guys, any of my listeners, did you watch all the Digimon? Because, like I said, that's a pretty big franchise. I might even do episodes on that, because I watched, I watched all the Digimons, actually, except for the last two that came out. I mean, I watched them, but I... (gasps) Excuse me, I didn't really watch them, watch them, I should say. I've seen, like, maybe one or two episodes, a few episodes here and there, and then that was it. But for the first, like, four seasons of Digimon, it would be Digimon Adventure, Digimon Adventure 2, 
uh, Digimon Tamers and Digimon Frontier. I watched all of it. I never missed a single episode. I watched it from beginning to end. Then there was the other other last two Digimon ep- um, series mm-hmm. that came out, which was Digimon Data Squad and Digimon Fusion. Yeah. I didn't really watch them now that much, but I mean, by then I was older and I wasn't really into Digimon, but then I'm like, hey, it's Digimon, let me just watch it, and yeah, I digress, I don't want to go too into it because this is not a Digimon episode, but basically this article is talking about the new Digimon reboot, how it's different compared to the original Digimon, um, how it's, this Digimon is kind of based, it still has the original, you know, Digidestin, so it has, like, Ty, Mac, TK, Sora, Izzy, um, and, you know, uh, all of them, but it's set in, like, a modern day, you know, era, not, like, back in the day, so it will be, like, more updated, the technology will be updated, so that's just more information about that. Okay, next piece of news from Anime News Network. Uh, this is talking about the Love Live. How I remember, oh God, how many weeks was it ago? Like maybe three, four weeks ago, I did give out a little news in my news section about how there's going to be a new Love Live coming out. And this one is talking about Love Live franchise new TV anime re- reveals visual teasers of the new girls. So I did talk about this in one of my previous episodes, uh, new section. There is going to be a new Love Live. So anyone who's a huge Love Live fan who watched the original Love Live uh, school project and Love Live Sunshine, there is a new one called Hello Love Live. Um, I'm interested because I love the Love Live series. I love the songs. I love the story. So I'm pretty interested in seeing how this one's going to be made, how it's going to be different or maybe similar to the first two uh but yeah i digress uh i already have that so i got two of that okay for fake go fans uh and gamer and players uh for anyone who probably hasn't already you know jumped in who probably has already maybe you haven't logged in yet or maybe people who haven't played the game in a while uh but there is a new uh event out well not new for it's not new, it's an old event, but it's an event that has only ever happened, I believe, once since the game's been out, since like 2015, so it's been a very long time since this event has come back. It is called the Saber Wars, and I've heard about people talk about this, it's a very interesting um, uh, event, You and then, then, then you also get a free servant. You get Saber Lily when you complete it, plus um, CEs. And for the gotcha character, you get Mysterio, Mysterious Hero X, which she is, quote-unquote, uh, a saber killer, even though she is, oh, God, what is she? I think she's an assassin. I mean, getting her, that's not that big of a deal, but the event itself is a big deal because it is, like I said, the event hasn't been out since, like, Excuse me, guys. Uh, the event hasn't been, um, hasn't been, like, rebooted or revived since, like, the first time it was around. So this is probably a pretty big deal. So for, like, new players who are just joining in or players who have joined in after these, the, the original event happened, this is your chance to get Saber Lily. I'm definitely going to do it because I love 
you know, any saber face character. I want to get all of them if I can. And win characters, but they nah. <laughs> I digress. So Saber Wars is finally out. So for anyone who, like I said, didn't get Saber Lily before, you can get her now. Uh, let's see, what else, what else? Oh, this next piece is from cordcutternews.com. It's talking about all the new anime shows that's available on Netflix this month. So we have A Gun My Cop Kill. Uh, oh, that's definitely one I would definitely want to talk to you guys about. I'll definitely do an episode on that because that's a very good show. But there's a kind of kind of like a controversy. There's a kind of like a split between this and the manga. I don't want to go too in depth, but for people who maybe is like me and who's a fan of Agami Got Kill, know if you read if you saw the show and then you read the novel, the manga, you know the huge difference that happens in the manga compared to the anime, and. Yeah, you know, give me your opinion on how about that. Uh, next is the Castlevania, and the third season is out. Next is the Beastars, which is one I'm sure everyone was definitely looking forward to coming out. So that is finally out on Netflix. Uh, what is this? Lou Over the Wall. I guess that's supposed to be a movie because it it's 112 minutes, so it's not like a series. I guess it's a movie. The Think Girl Ginku. That's uh, apparently it's the second season of that with 40 episodes. And that's really it. Nothing else is popping up. So, you know, new shows. New shows popping up for... I would definitely recommend Agami Got Kill. It's very, very good. And then I would definitely recommend you guys reading the manga to see what I'm talking about with the whole difference change. Castlevania is a pretty good, is a very good series itself, too. Especially now that there's a third season coming out. But for maybe people who are on a horror, you know, fan, I would, uh, I mean, still give it a try because it hurts pretty, pretty good. Uh, and then Beastars, I know it's like the main one that everyone was looking forward to finally coming back on coming on Netflix and getting, you know, its English version. So that's definitely one I'm gonna be watching out for. Uh let's see, let's see. This okay, from studentprints.com. This talks about a Mississippi anime uh festival. Just talk about the highlights, about the anime, the pop culture, just what was happening during the event, really how there was a Q&A, uh, all the uh, merchandise people was able to pick up. And speaking of uh, merchandise, well, not merchandise, but, but like concerts and anything doing with um, anime, from comicbooks.com, apparently there was a Dragon Ball tour, but it's now canceled. The U.S. canceled, uh, the U.S. concert dates are canceled due to the coronavirus. Which is not surprising because there's been so many things that's been postponed, canceled, or pushed back thanks to this coronavirus. Which would be, as anyone who's been watching the news lately, a lot of the sports um, uh, associations have been postponed, like the NBA, uh, hockey, baseball, soccer. Like, all of them are being postponed, and another piece of news that I don't really have yet, I mean, I haven't, it's an email that they sent out, but for Floridians, Florida um, Florida people, um, if you were planning to go to Supercon, which I am definitely going this year, you guys, I have, I'm making it a, a thing to go every single year since I've been going. 
it was originally supposed to come out in, it was originally supposed to start in May, but because of this whole coronavirus thing, they just sent out a, a, an email, probably tweets everywhere, Facebook posts, pretty, pretty much everything, saying that now Florida Supercon has been pushed back two months. So now it's going, it usually was like in July, like the first week of July, or maybe towards the end of July. But now it has been pushed, it was an initial supposed to be in May, but because of the coronavirus, now the Florida Supercon has been pushed back two months. So now it is back in July. It's going to be July 3rd through the 5th. So for anyone who maybe is like me, you haven't picked out your costumes yet, or you haven't bought your tickets, you now have even more time to get everything ready. So when the Supercon starts up, you will have everything prepared. So you're not rushing the next, well, you would have been rushing the next two weeks. When really you have an extra two months to two weeks two months to you know prepare for it but now you have an extra two months to make sure you have everything make sure your costumes are perfect you have um all the money that you want that you can spend um for anyone who is going to anyone maybe anyone here in florida any listeners that are in florida who are going to supercon um let me know and let me know if you maybe you've already picked out a costume that you go are going uh, a character you're going as or maybe some you're gonna dress up or and also what days are you going are you gonna go all four is it four days yeah i think it's like thursday through saturday are you gonna go all four days or are you going go certain days me i always try to go saturdays because i feel like that's like the most that's like the main day i can always get off or anything and I don't know. I, I just feel like it's it's all like a weekend thing. It's something I feel like it's something I should do on the weekend. So I, I definitely, definitely would be going now. I mean I was already going, but now I have even more time to prepare for it, to pick out my costume, because honestly I can't even decide. There's so many characters I wanna go as. At first I thought maybe I could go as um or around the time when I heard what time Supercon was being like promoted everything, I had just finished watching the fairy tale last season of fairy tale so i was like okay this supercon i'm going as a fairy tale character but then i was like oh, crap which fairy tale character should i go as should i go as, as urza maybe i can go as lucy maybe go as wendy maybe carla uh mary jane levy juvia i it just it did not help and then i found even more costumes i maybe i thought about going as um noelle from black clover or maybe go as another fake character because last year i dressed up for the first time and i i mean i said hold this up a bunch of time and you could tell by the picture i went as rena tosaka last year for my first time dressing up so i was like maybe i should go as another fake character or maybe I can go as a dang and romper character. I don't know. I have too many options. I can't decide. It's, it's so hard for me. I, I feel like I'm losing my mind. But yeah, now the Dragon Ball tour has been canceled due to the coronavirus, and Supercon has been pushed back two months uh, for the because of the coronavirus. All right, let's. Is this the last piece of news? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Last piece of news from CBR.com. Ten animes that never got a second season, but definitely deserved one. I'm pretty sure I made a list, of, I made an episode about this, about ep, uh, animes I believed definitely deserved an 
another season or multiple seasons to finish up the uh, main story from the manga. So let's see if maybe they put any on the list that I put. Bakugan? I don't remember ever watching that, but I heard that was pretty good. Orin High School Host Club. I th- oh, did I say that? I don't remember. Uh, but that's definitely one I think would definitely, because I know the way the, the anime ended definitely is not the manga ended. So I would definitely love to see the rest of it finished up. Uh, High School of the Dead. That's another one I definitely would want to see finished. I could have sworn someone told me a while back that they were making a second season for this. But I don't know. Uh, next on the list would be Dead Men Wonderworld. Wonderland. Uh, this is a. Oh wow, this came out in 2011. Huh, I could have sworn it was early. It was later than that, but yeah. So the first episode was premiered in April 17, 2011. Huh. I, I don't know. I never really watched it. I saw bits and pieces of it when they were doing like reruns on Tsunami, and yeah, that kind of creeped me out. I was like, okay, no, literally. I guess spoilers, non spoilers, like you can tell by the name, like it's a very bloody and deadly show. Uh, number six on the list is Angel Beats. Uh, number five is one of Tom Wada Mato Mate. I don't know, I cannot say the names to save my life. Uh, number four is Panty and Stalking with Garnabelle. That's definitely one I definitely think definitely deserves second season because I loved Panty and Stalking. The first season was hilarious, and the way it ended, you would think they would make up a second season, but it's been God, when did this come out? It's been a while, and they have never done a second season. And it left up a, such a cliffhanger. It's like, what? Okay, uh, number three is Yuri on Ice. Oh, that's a very good one. Yeah, I would love to see that continue. I love Yuri on Ice. Next is Boo Beatum. Oh, that's de- that's the one I definitely, definitely put on my list. Because the way the anime ended and the way the manga continued on, I'm like, that would have definitely made a perfect second season maybe even like more seasons because so much happens after that ending point in the anime that i was like nah they definitely need to make a second season for that that's whack and number one on the list is princess jellyfish which is what i've heard a lot of people say i've 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 read i'm not read i've watched princess jellyfish i haven't read the manga but i've heard heard people talk about it and what happens after the you know manga and the anime kind of cut off and split from each other and so much happens afterwards that I think would make a would definitely make a pretty good second or third season depending on how they you know span it out if they make the second season pretty much finish everything up or not but that's that's definitely one I believe would make a perfect second season so that's about it you guys that is our uh that's the end of our news section and before we get into our main topic, as I was telling you all from last, um, uh, what I was telling everyone, that this month, I, not this month, but this year, each month will have a specific theme that we will be doing. And last month was the Valentine's or Romance um, Month. 
So this month, I am dedicating every episode I do to the Fate Stay Night series. So yes, hello everyone, welcome to the very first episode of our Fate Month, where every week I will be talking about a different Fate series, one of the different Fate series, but not all of the Fate series, because there's way too many. (laughs) For anyone who is a huge Fate fan knows what I'm talking about. But instead, I am going to be dedicating this month to the uh, main stories uh, of the Fate series. So for anyone who knows, wants a little bit more detailed and information about Fate, uh, one second. All right, there we go. All right, all right, all right. So, the original Fate came off from a visual novel. Yes, yes. This is Fate Stay Night is based off a game. It's based off a visual novel where, as anyone who probably has seen visual novel games like Danganronpa, Persona 5, well, any of the Persona series, really, any of the Danganronpa games, really, it's a game where you play as a main character and you get to decide how you interact with other characters based on which um based on the um answer you give your main character but the way this is starting out uh fate it starts off as you play as the character shiro emiya he is a regular everyday high school student but his adopted father was a mage, quote-unquote, and he teaches him a little mage crap before dying, but then one day he is at school, and, well, he, actually, I'm skipping a lot of parts, but he wants to be a hero of justice, because that's something his adopted father wanted to do, but he couldn't uh, achieve it, so he figures he wants to do that for him, so he decides that he wants to be good, so he'll do anything to help people, even people that shouldn't and don't need his kindness. He gives that to them. And one day he uh, is at school after helping someone with a task. He sees two people fighting, and he ends up getting uh, attacked and quote-unquote killed because of him, you know, with him witnessing the fight. But then he is miraculously revived. But then one of the people who attacked, well, the person who attacked him or killed him, quote unquote, came back and um, came to him again to finish the job. And then he ends up, well, I'm, like I said, I'm skipping a lot of things. The, well, to begin the start over, uh, there is something in this world called the Holy Grail. And if you get it, you can. Uh, have any wish you want granted. So far, it's all in this what city called. Oh, the city's called. Huh. But basically, students. I mean, not students. Mages compete with each other to a battle of the uh, to the death. There are seven mages, and what they do is they summon heroes from the past who works beside them as servants to help them achieve their goal. And when they uh beat the other masters then the one standing can achieve the holy grail and he well him or she and their servant each get a wish from the holy grail 
So and when Shiro's being attacked by this quote-unquote man or guy, he acts uh, well to his accident and blood luck ends up summoning a servant and ends up getting drawn into this holy grail war where like I said, you pretty much fight to the death. You kill the other masters to achieve, you know, to win and get your wish. But of course, the main character doesn't want that. He wants to protect people, so he joins the war to quote-unquote save others. But the way this works is that there are three routes. There is the original fate route, which and as I said, it's a visual novel, but it's also like a romance visual novel because depending on which route you go into, there is a main girl where you focus on and the war uh, is different or has different outcomes depending on which girl you decide to focus on. Oh, I should also say, this is the fifth Holy Grail War you're um, going into. So, the there, like I said, there are three routes. The first route is the fate route, that everyone calls it a fate route. And that one, you um, follow your servant, who is Saber. I won't reveal, well, no, I'm not going to reveal who she is. That's something I'll do when I review that. Then there's the second route, which is called the Eliminate Blade Words route, where you follow Rin Tosaka. She is a master slash mage in the war, and you follow her and her servant, Archer. Then there is the third route, which is one that's coming, well, that's not coming out, but the final movie to finish up that third route is coming out this year in the spring. So that's something to look forward to. And that one's called the Heaven's Field Route. And the Heaven's Field Route, you follow um, the quote-unquote childhood friend of the main character named Sakura Monto, and you follow her and her involvement in the war. But we are not going to be talking about any of those today. Today, we are going to be talking about uh, pretty much it's a light novel that was turned into an anime that I guess... It follows fate. I mean, it follows the original story because the I mean the characters are kind of the same in it, but it's different because this one doesn't focus on the fifth Holy Grail War, which the main game is focused on. This one is focused on events that happened before. So the this what we are talking about from anyone who maybe heard the opening, we are talking about Fate Zero, which is the prequel to the original Fate, uh, uh Fate games like the Fate Route, uh, the Eliminated Blade World Route, and the Heaven Field Route. This one focuses on the fourth Holy Grail War, what happens ten years prior to what goes on in the Fate. Um, and pretty much in the fifth Holy Grail War. So, in this, the, it's Furuki City. There we go. That's the name. So, the Fate uh, Fate Zero is set ten years before the event of Fate Stay Night, and tells the story of the fourth Holy Grail War. It's a magical tournament held in Fuyuki City, where seven mages, known as masters or mages, I guess you could say, either or, summon servants, which are legendary heroes of the past, to help them fight in a battle royale to the death, and the winner obtains the Holy Grail. And this one, our main character, is Karitsuko Emiya, which is the foster father of the Fate Stay Night protagonist, the guy I was talking about, Shiro Emiya. 
he is known as a quote-unquote mage killer who joined the war on behalf of the Einsburns. Um, so, like I said, um, so let's just get into the plot, really. So, like I said, Fate Zero takes 10 years prior to the events of Fate's Day Night. So we are in the fourth Holy Grail War, but let's give a little more information about the Holy Grail War. The Holy Grail was a contest that was founded by three powerful mage families, the Einsburns, the Matos, and the Tosakas. They uh, planned together to make this war so people could obtain the Holy Grail. But, I mean, it doesn't really go into details of what happens in the first three Holy Grail Wars, but all you know is that no one's ever obtained the Holy Grail Wars so far. So, with no one um, ever really winning the Holy Grail, as you know, we get into the fourth Holy Grail War. So, the Einburns are very determined to win the fourth war after, you know, the last three pretty much end with no one winning. So, they uh, enlisted someone to fight on their behalf so they could achieve their, um, you know, get the grail and get their wish. That's where our main protagonist comes into, our quote-unquote mage killer, Kurichigu Emiya. He is known for his methods of killing um, mages with his own magical abilities, even though he's kind of not a mage, not like the other mages that will, you know, learn throughout the story. But he has a reputation for taking down mages, which is pretty, pretty, what makes pretty much makes him a pretty feared character throughout the series because made like you, you would think mages are you know these all-powerful people who can use magic and wouldn't be taken down so quickly but then you have you know Kuritsugu who basically turns it on the head and be like yeah you're a mage and I can still find ways to kill you so uh Kuritsugu wants to become a hero who could save anyone so that's why he kind of uh, takes parts in the Holy Grail War, but then he, so when he gets um, enlisted in fighting in the Holy Grail War for the Ironsburns, there he meets the daughter slash homunculus of the family, uh, Irisfield von Ironsburn. Uh, they end up falling in love, and then they end up having a little girl that they name Eliasville von Einsburg. Uh, I want you guys to remember some of these names uh, because they'll be very important when we talk about the fate, the fate unlimited blade works in Heavensfield route. And Elia is definitely, definitely a name you all want to remember. So they go and the with that they decide to work together so that you know he can fight and for the Ironsburns and protect his family and pretty much achieve his dream of, you know, protecting people. But as we saw, there are other characters in the show that uh, there are other mages, not just him. So then we meet some of the other mages. We meet uh, Tokiomi Tosaka, I believe that's his name. Uh, fudge. I can never say these people's names right. Yeah, yeah, I said his name right, haha. Tokiomi Tosaka, which is um 
the head of the to the current head of the Tosaka family and is Rin Tosaka's father. Ooh. He uh, of course, since he is part of one of the main families who made the Holy Grail, who started the Holy Grail War, of course he wants to achieve the Holy Grail. But he sees that the other families who also helped in developing the Holy Grail War, which will be the Ironsburns and the Matos, uh, kind of lost their main purpose for starting the Holy Grail War. And all they care about is, um, you know, getting the Grail for their own selfish needs. So he teams up with a priest slash, I guess, mage, which we call, know him as Kire. Kire Kotamine. He is a priest who is trying to discover his true nature in the quest of finding the Holy Grail. But uh, I'm not going into too much details yet about him. But they decide that they're going to form a secret alliance so that they can work together. Um, and every time these Grail Wars happen, there is someone who acts as like a medium. So let's say if a servant is defeated and the master is still alive, the master could go to this quote-unquote medium to protect them so that the, until the war is over, and that person ends up being Kirei's uh, father. So, um... Yeah, that's basically it. So they decide they're gonna work together and um and you know achieve the grail together. Then we have the ooh, what is his name? Kenneth Elmoy. Yeah, Kenneth Elmoy. Uh, he is a teacher at the Mage Association in London, and there you see him belittling a student. His name is Waver Velvet. There he mocks him for being a third-rate mage. Well, he comes from a prestige mage family, and that really ticks him off because he's like... I'm probably 10 times better than you, but you look down on me. So he decides to get even. So when a package for Mr. Emiloy arrives, Waver takes it for himself and decides that he's going to what up his quote unquote teacher and to not belittle him. Uh, so we have yet another master who ends up coming. We meet Kiria, Kirie, Kirie Mato. He turns out to be the uh, second son of the Mato family. Well, yeah, second son, because the first son, I think his name was Biakia Mato, but you don't really know much about him. Uh, you just know he's like, he's the father of a character that you'll definitely know in the Fate series, in the Fate, um, uh, in the other routes. But he uh, is friends with. Tokiomi's wife, her name is Aoi Tosaka. He's there and he realizes that, wait, one of your children is missing. Where did she go? And she, it's revealed, then, the, then it's revealed that these mages have a very strict rule that only one family, only one kid or one hair one family can have an heir to their, you know, magecraft, 
and the Tosakas have decided that Rin will be the next heir to the Tosaka family. So the fact that they have an extra child would be, in their eye, well, in Tokiyomi's eyes, pretty useless or would have no meaning. She'd just be there. And throughout the time and the, the centuries, the Mato's bloodline and magecraft has slowly been decreasing to the pack, to the part that they're practically not mages anymore. They don't have any magecraft. They don't have any ability to do magic. So since they have a to- close tie, the Matos and the Tosakas, uh, Tokiomi decides he would give up one of his childs over to the Mato family so that the Mato's family has an heir. And in his eyes, both of his children would still be heirs to the mage family, even though one of them is going to be a head of the family in his own name but they'll still have you know uh will still be able to you know be a head of some type of mage family and still carry you know the tosaka bloodline or whatever so when uh kiria kiria finds this out he immediately rushes home to his father oh man this old man really really creeps me the fuck out what the hell is his name then we meet the current head of the Mato family, Zoken Mato. This creepy old man who looks like he's a thousand years old. Holy Jesus Christ. So he's there. He when Kiri arrives, he's like, What did you do with the child? Where is where are they? How dare you take this child and force them to work under your statistic rule? Then you get there and you, he shows what he's been doing with the child. And the way, I mean, each family, each mage family has their own way of doing magic. The, um, what is it? The Tosakas re- uh, like rely on like gems and jewels. Jewel magecraft is what they really call it. While the Matos, they focuses on crest worms, which carry magical, uh, I guess, magical abilities, enhance magical abilities, which I guess in a way is what is also the cause of their magic kind of depleting over the years, because it's, I guess, kind of like bad magic or something like that, to where now it's having a negative effect on their, like, heritage, to where now any kid that's born into the family has very little uh, aptitude of being a mage. So when he finds this out, of course, he wants to get the child out of there as quickly as possible. But, of course, Zogan's like, no, I will raise them up, even though they're too young and too inexperienced to, to, to participate in this Holy Grail War. Uh, give it a few years, a few time, and I will train them to be ready for the next Holy Grail War. And, of course, this does not despised with Karia, he is pissed, so he's like, no, uh, you take me under your wing, you give me the crest worms, I will summon a servant, and I will win the Holy Grail, and when I do, you will release the child, and, you know, set them free, let them go back to their family, if I win the Holy Grail for you, you would have no need for the child, the child won't be your tool, 
in the Holy Grail world. So of course he of course agrees because Zoka's a sadistic son of a bitch and doesn't care who he has to sacrifice, even if it's his own family, to achieve his own goals. So of course he does that. So then we get into the uh, fight sequence, really. And with the fight sequence, I mean, not the fight sequence, the summoning sequence, they're each uh, master. So, I, wait, did I say all the masters? There's, there's Kritigu, there's Kyrie, there's Tokiomi, there's Elmoloy, there's Waver, and Kario. Ooh, I forgot about the last one, the last guy. This guy is freaking hilarious. Not hilarious, haha. Hilarious as this dude is crazy as hell. He is, <clears throat> we then meet a, uh, a uh, quote unquote, well, not quote unquote, he is. We meet Iryu Ryanosuke. He is a serial killer that has been going around just killing people. He is obsessed with the process of death and dying. He thinks humans are curious in death sort of like forbidden knowledge and tries to understand it by ob- observing other people's death and making up a virtual experience, hence on how he became a murderer and serial killer. So there he finds a, it turns out that his family kind of is like a old mage family in a way, because he finds an old magic book that his family's been keeping, I guess, protected for the last few years. So he, but he, of course, doesn't think it's a mage magic book. He just thinks it's like a demon book or something. So he decides that he's going to uh, try and summon a demon from the book. So he has been going around killing families, trying to sacrifice a member of the family to summon his demon, quote unquote. And I believe when you see him for the first time and he has killed this family of well, it's four, but he keeps the youngest uh, child alive to use as a sacrifice. Um, he, it's revealed that this is his third time trying this, but he said that it doesn't work, then he's just going to give up on this. And of course, it ties in at the same time, the other masters are summoning their servants, and when he ends up working, but of course, he thinks the demon, but they're like, nah, I'm not a demon, I a servant and you're now enlisted in this holy grail war well you if you beat the other masters you'll get a wish but he ends up summoning a pretty sadistic servant that yeah that's just perfect for this son of crazy son of a bitch he ends up oh yes i should probably also say this there are as a, there are seven masters in the war there are seven servants and every servant has a different class or particular talent that they are good at which tends making them being labeled as what they are there are sabers who are good with a, or a saber a sword then there are archers who are good with bow and arrows there are lancers who are good with a big, like poles with ends, with pointed ends and stuff like that. Then there are assassins who are good with silent kills. Then there are, ooh, Jesus. Then there are casters who are good with magic. Then there are writers who are known for writing, you know, 
uh, horses and stuff like that when they battle. So they're labeled as a rider. And last but not least is a berserker, which is pretty much like a heroic spirit gone mad that something terrible or something traumatic happens that drives them insane to the point that it gives them pretty much superhuman strength and they end up getting uh, cast as a berserker. So let's go back to Ryanosuke. He is doing his thing about to summon his quote-unquote demon and ends up summoning the caster of this Holy Grail War. He is... uh, Jesus... Uh, his, he ends up summoning a male servant, which, I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, a few female servants, but not in this war, not in this, um, Holy Rare War. Uh, that would surprise you that all the masters are guys, all the masters are male. There's no female servants, I mean, masters in this war. So, uh, should I reveal who the servants are? Uh, yeah, why not? So, Ryanosuke ends up summoning the caster of this Holy Grail War, and his true identity is Gilderay. Gilderay, he is a French nobleman from 15th century. He participated in the Hundred Year War as a marshal and was once a commander in arms of John the Arc. Um, but when John the Arc was then was you know, burned at the stake, it pretty much drove him mad. It said his faith in God changed greatly as he saw God abandoning, you know, John, since they said John Alark was pretty much like a child of God, and the fact that he, quote-unquote, just sat there and let her die, he uh, lost his faith in that. So when he, uh, when this was all over, he ended up becoming a mass serial children murderer, where he murdered and raped children in his neighborhood, quote-unquote giving him the nickname Bluebeard. Um, and yeah, so you would think, so this murderer ends up summoning a past murderer, uh, servant. Uh, perfect match made in hell, I would say. Uh, oh, Jesus Christ, just thinking about the stuff they did. I don't want to go into too much detail, because honestly, even me saying all of this, it, it, it just lets, you guys definitely just have to watch it for yourself to know some of the things they do. But I will just give a little tidbit of one thing that they really, really do. When they um, finished summoning, when um, Ryanosuke summoned, you know, Caster, they never call them by their names, by their true names. They always call them um, by their servant title. So throughout the show, he's always called Caster. So what they do is that they, um, the kid didn't really no, the kid didn't die. The kid didn't, that he tried to sacrifice didn't die. So, of course, he was going to kill him because he can't, like, have any loose ends. Like, yeah, this kid didn't die to bring my quote-unquote demon slash servant, but I can't leave him alive, so he decides he's going to kill the kid. Mm-hmm. But then the caster is like, no, no, don't do that. Don't just kill him like that. Uh, let the boy go. He lets the, they think the little boy is overjoyed. He, I mean, already lost his family. And, and he thought he was going to die, too, for the fact that they're letting him go. He can't believe it. He is about to walk out the door, and all you see are these tentacles t- circle around him, 
pull him back into the house, and all you hear is that blood curling just splatter everywhere. I'm pretty sure you can guess what happens after that. That's just a taste of what these two freakazoids do throughout the Fourth Holy Grail War. Like, holy shit. Oh, my Jesus Christ, I'm thinking about it. Oh, Lord of mercy. Uh, let's get, I'll save the main character for last. Let's go into Tokiyomi. He summons the archer servant, and his servant is Gilgamesh. Uh, as you know, Gilgamesh is a half-god, half-human king born in the king of Uruk. He ruled... Ooh, what is this? Mesopotamia and the BC area. He is known as the King of Heroes. And because of this, he has a great, well, not, well, yeah, pretty great, a great arsenal of weapons he has collected over the years. And what makes him even more powerful is they, they think that all of his weapons are some, or like the original like, um, weapons that a lot of the current, any hero that came after him end up inheriting after, you know, his passing. So that just makes him even more OP. But even though he is uh, the master, well, I mean, the servant of, you know, Tokiomi, he doesn't really see him as that. If anything, he sees all humans as beneath him, and his eyes were all mongrels, which... Gets me laughing every time he says that because he literally does not look up, look up or acknowledges or see anyone else as his equal. We're all mongrels in his eyes. And what he does throughout the story, especially his little, um, ooh, I shouldn't reveal that. Uh, what he does uh, with Kire and Tokiomi, anyone who's seen Fate Zero knows I'm talking about. What he does in that regard just blew my mind. But yeah. And then his little obsession with uh, another servant I will talk about later on is something that's uh, pretty hilarious. Next servant, um, Mr. L. Malloy ends up summoning the Lancer of the this Holy Grail War, which is hilarious, pretty funny, because he originally didn't plan on summoning the Lancer. He, Waver, ended up taking the cat, uh, forgot, there's a catalyst that every server, every master has to use to summon a certain servant that they are looking for. So for uh, Gilderay, uh, Caster, he, um, of course, uses a child to summon him, which is perfect because he's known for killing kids, so that was perfect. For Archer, I forgot he used some type of thing that belonged to him years ago, maybe, like, part of a bone? I don't freaking know what that was. It was something of that that belonged to Gilgamesh that he used to how he summoned him. So for uh, uh, Mr. Elmaloy, he um, wanted to use the thing that Waver took to him to summon uh, the rider of the uh, of the war that he was gonna get. But of course, with Waver taking it, he had to get something else, and luckily he had something else. And I forgot what that something else was. Or was it never really revealed in the show? I don't remember. It was something else he used, but he ended up summoning the Lancer of the, uh, of the, you know, this war. 
oh god what's his name Duraiman Duraiyat Duraiyab oh Jesus Christ I cannot say this man's name and save his life oh Duraiyadugin Jesus Christ Basically, he is a warrior of Phoenix. He was known as Dreamin of the Love Spot because he was granted with a love, like a little mole that acts like a love magnet, really, that uh, any girl that gazed upon it would instantly fall in love with him. But that also kind of backfired because any woman that saw it end up falling for him. I believe, like, the wife of a future lord or something in the fallen for him. And because of that, they believed he was seducing her. So then they uh, tracked him down. And I guess that's how his life ended. So, and it's pretty funny because Al Malloyd has a Beyonce that he uses. Well, not uses, she helps, but that he uses her as an extra, like, mana reserve. That's another thing. These uh, All the servants have to rely on the mana from their masters, which is kind of like energy, I guess you could say, from their masters to keep on, you know, being present in their world. So he uses his fiance as a way of having extra, you know, mana for Lancer. But because she is a woman she, and she sees him and sees the love on quote-unquote love spot she ends up developing feelings for him and seeing how that grows out throughout the series especially what happens to him towards the end oh boy that definitely backfired for him but yeah there you go he ends up summoning the lancer of the uh holy grail war <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me, one second. All right, back to work. <laughs> so next is the um Akira. He ends up summoning the assassin of the Holy Grail War, and his assassin is the Hundred Face Hassan, who is who was one of the 19 people who holds the legendary Persian title of Man of the Mountain, a leader of an assassin group. So what his servant ends up doing is he can make um, his own different versions of himself. So when it looks like one servant is quote unquote dead, another one pops up. I believe he ended up having to kill, ooh, you have to kill like all of them to end up defeating um assassin or like you have to defeat the main one that popped up i'm not really sure how that ended up i don't remember how that ended up getting resolved in the end it's been a minute since i've seen phase zero i have to re-watch it again but uh of course he uses that to his advantage especially when helping out uh tokiomi and his little schemes of making it seem like they're not working together but they really are and then uh next and well not next and then last but next character is waiver and he ends up using the thing he stole from Lloyd to summon the writer of the <clears throat> of this holy grail war and his identity is alexander the great or iskandar as some people call him uh the king of conquerors 
um, it, their relationship is pretty hilarious and pretty, like, one of the main relationships throughout the Holy Grail War that people really loved because Waver was always seen as this weak, timid guy who, even though he came from a third-rate uh, mage family, wanted to prove himself, but always found ways to not do it, and uh, Ryder would always pick him back up, and they had such a the, the development throughout the entire war, which is really great, and seeing how they were just growing off of each other, and how it, <laughs> Ryder was like, oh, you'll join my squire, join my group of people, and I will always be there for you, I'll always, you know, you'll have me to rely on, even, even though he is, quote-unquote, the servant, and Waver is the master, but just seeing their relationship, and how they just relied on each other throughout this whole war, and how they pretty much became better people because of each other, it just, it really was one of the greater relationships in this whole bloodbath, really. And then last but not least, our main character, Kritiku Emia, with the help of uh, the Iris, um, the Ironsburns and Irisfield, he uses a scabbard to summon the saber of this Holy Grail War, which a lot of people who don't know Faye already is the main character, well, not what well, main character and main face of the Fate series. He summoned Saber. Which you find out later on is the is actually it's the same sable uh, saber sab saber uh, I can't do this I cannot talk saber that you will see later on in the other fate series I will be talking about this month. Um, she is actually one of the heroines. Um, one of the she's actually going to be the main character in the fate Ralph that we will be talking about on Wednesday, but. And this Holy Grail War, she is the master of Kritiku Emia. And what you know about her identity, her true name is Artura. People always call her different names. It's Arturia or Altera Pendragon, which is, when you hear the name Pendragon, you're like, wait a minute. I know of a quote-unquote mythical person or real person. I don't even know if he's going to People still don't know that. I don't know. Of the of uh, you know you hear Pendragon you're like wait a minute you mean like Arthur Pendragon you know king of Britain king of the knights round table yes the very same but in this reality it turns out that King Arthur was actually a woman this whole time who was pretending to be a man that's right in this series King Arthur is a female Arthur Pendragon so, which kind of makes her kind of like an OG because she's so strong and sabers are kind of already like the powerhouse of the other servants, they're like the strongest of the other servants. So after that, after all these servants are summoned, all the masters, oh wait, oh god, how did I miss? I missed someone, oh lord. I, I missed uh, Karia, Karia Mato. He, of course, and well, process of elimination, he ends up summoning the berserker of these Holy Grail War, which is pretty hilarious because of all the madness that he has to end up going through, all the suffering and torment he gets at the hands of his father to, you know, save the child of, um, 
of the like sibling of Rin to get them out of there. I keep saying sibling because I don't want to reveal who it is, who this quote unquote sibling is, because it's supposed to be revealed in the Heavens Field route who that sibling is. I mean, for anyone who's caught up, who's already caught up with the Fate series, knows what I'm talking about. But for anyone who doesn't, I don't want to reveal it just yet because it's something that I will talk about when I get to that route. But they want to, you know, save Rin's sibling, get them back together. So he's going through all this pain and suffering. And of course, it's kind of hilarious how because of that, he ends up suffering the most like chaotic and absurd servant of them all, of course, the Berserker. And you don't really know who he is until the very end. Let me, ooh, where is it? Where is, here we go. He, of course, ends up summoning the Berserker of the Fourth Holy Grand War. And it turns out that his true identity, which something isn't revealed to like the very quote-unquote end of the Fate Zero, Fate Zero, he turns out to be Lancelot of the Lake, which is actually someone who was a royal, like a very royal, well, I guess he was royal, a loyal knight to King Arthur and one of the knights of the Round Table. However, he was also very known for having an affair with uh, Saber's quote-unquote wife. Yes, even though Saber was a woman, she still had to portray herself as a man and had had to make everyone else believe she was a man. So, of course, she had to marry a woman, but the, qu- the twist is she was totally fine with their affair because, of course, she couldn't, you know, give her the love that the uh, queen really needed. Her name was Guinevere. However, when the their affair was um, leaked and people knew about it, of course, Saber had to, you know, <clears throat> had to, um, you know, uphold justice because uh, she couldn't just, I mean, to keep up the facade. Any any king who found out that one of his knights and his queen were having illicit relations wouldn't just let that slide. If anything, they would probably kill the queen and have the knight stripped of his title or probably kill them both. And because of that, uh, Guinevere ended up being um, executed, I believe. Killed or executed one of them. And that ended up driving uh, poor Leslon mad because he felt like it wasn't right. She didn't deserve to die. It was all on me. And that's what ended up driving him into his madness, which ended up bringing him over into the Berserker uh, class. So after all that and all this, uh, basically just getting all the servants, basically all the other episodes after that are just uh, all the servants fighting, um, trying to see who wins. However, there is one little thing that happens I would do one um, reveal. Um, there's a point where all the masters get together to take out Reynosuke and Caster because they're not really participating in the war like everyone else is. They're just doing their own thing. But what they're doing is they're getting um, innocent people involved, quote-unquote kids, which is a big no-no in the war. You're not supposed to get other people involved. You're supposed to get as little people. You're supposed to get no people involved, actually. Uh, but, of course, they are, have no interest in the war. They just want to do their own thing. 
So all the masters end up getting together to take them out. And oh my god, that ending scene was massive. Holy shit. That thing was so cool. It was so good. I loved it. But uh yeah, it's just a bunch of fights. There's so many fights in Fate Zero that just blows your mind. However, even though this is a prequel, I would have to say Fate Zero is probably the one of well, it's the darkest and bloodiest of the Fate Wars. Well, of the previous Fate Wars. I'm not gonna talk about the other ones. Because so many innocent people end up getting killed in this, so many of the masters end up, you know, dying in this, and at the end, um, it's oh, that's huge, epic fight in the end between. I guess I should just say it. Spoilers. I mean, I just kind of like spoilers, anyways. Um, Karitsugu and Kire fight at the end, which is pretty funny. And because throughout the whole war, they quote unquote seed each other as their main threat. Even though there were other masters involved, they figured they could take out the other masters, no problem. But they knew if they ever had to fight, that this would be very serious and one of them would end up dead. Like, there would be a fight to the death, if not both of them dying. And, I mean, it's already a fight to death, but they just, they acknowledged each other's abilities and powers and knew, like, oh, yeah, out of everyone, you're the most dangerous one I gotta look out for. And it's funny how both of them saw that with each other, and their fight at the end was just, it was just amazing. It was massive. I couldn't believe it. And then what happens at the very end, there's, um, uh they um end up finding out the truth of the holy grail and end up causing so when kiritsuku finds this out he does not want the grail anymore because of what it really is so he uses his last um also there's these things called command seals that all the masters have there are three like three very powerful spells that you that the masters can use on their servants that are kind of like absolute orders that the, ma- the I mean, the servants are servants. I mean, they have to, well, they don't have to follow their masters because you kind of see that in um, in Gilgamesh, even though they call him Archer. They don't really call him by his name in here, but I, we all know him as Gilgamesh. He kind of does his own thing. He doesn't really listen to his master that much. And But if Tokiomi wanted to, he could use one of his command seals to kind of force Gilgamesh to follow one order that he gives. However, you only have three. And then if you use up all three before the end of the war, your servant ends up disappearing and you end up are kicked out of the war because you don't have a servant anymore. So he ends up using his last two command seals to force Saber to get rid of the Holy Grail. However, that backfires tremendously and when the grail is quote-unquote destroyed it ends up releasing this black goo ooze into the world and into the city and the entire city ends up catching on fire killing thousands and reason why i am kind of spoiling this or well, not kind of how i'm why i'm spoiling this is because this is where our two 
protagonist ends up meeting each other because um, our protagonist of our fifth Holy Grail War, Shiro, is actually in that city. And he ends up uh, being a sole survivor of that whole incident because Kurichiku ends up saving him in the end. And that's how they end up meeting. And of course, I'll get more details on how they end up becoming, you know, foster son and father. But that's pretty much how it ends. But it, you would think, I mean, there's even more twists at the end. I'm not going to be real because, like I said, you just have to watch it. It's so good. There are a few filler episodes. I mean, it's like two. No, it's like one. One or two filler episodes that really had nothing to do with anything. There are these ones that have to deal with um, Ren running into Vienosuke because one of her classmates ends up missing and I guess winds up dead, which he ends up becoming a victim of Vienosuke. So Rin wants to find out what's going on. She's running into him and finds out that he is harboring all of these kids to use them as. I guess sacrifices and mana batteries. So Rin jumps in and ends up saving all the kids. But of course, Rin isn't the quote unquote person she'll be in 10 years from now. So of course, this is kind of goes over her head and ends up getting saved by uh, Karia, who ends up coming in and helping her in the end. Um, I just said, yeah, I said they, they had a relationship. So Karia and Rin kind of see each other as like, I like. That's like her uncle in a way. So that's kind of like his niece. And of course, with him trying to save her, you know, their si- her sibling, um, and their, their relationship is very close, especially with the relationship with the mom. And oh my God, with the mom, you just, when you find out what his real um, feelings are for the mom, um, Ari, Aoi uh, Tosaka, Rin's mom, and just what happens at the end. But like I said, this isn't a very happy ending. The, for most part, like I said, the entire city burns. Then, as the people are like um, dead, basically, a lot of the masters, like all the masters, end up dying, except for like, ooh, how many? One, two, three. I think it's like three of them that end up surviving, if I remember correctly. I'm not gonna say the names. I'm just trying to remember. Yeah. Out of seven, three of them survived, which is kind of cheating in a way, because one of them, I'll just say, I'm not going to say the name, but I'm going to say, like, one of them dies and ends up somehow coming back to life. That's all I'm going to reveal for you guys. So y'all have to see who I'm talking about and how they end up getting revived. But, yeah, most of the other family, other mages end up dying in the war. Um, after what happens, after Kuritsugu ends up destroying the Grail, he's kind of banished from the Ironsburg um, family, kicked out, so that he can never see his daughter Elia again, which ends up playing a huge factor in how her characters develop in the Fourth Holy Grail War. And yeah, the Fourth Holy Grail War was pretty epic and pretty bloody. Like, holy crap. Like, so many people died, so many things. Like, when you see the other Holy Grail Wars, uh, when you see the fifth one, you think it's a walk in the park, like, compared to what happened in the fourth Holy Grail War. I mean, like, so many people died in the fourth Holy Grail War compared to what you'll see in the fifth Holy Grail War, where it depends on which route you talk about, because there still are deaths in the fifth Holy Grail War, but like I said, a lot of it depends on which route you follow. 
and some of them might, I'm just gonna live a little spoiler, kind of, some of them might be a bit more bloodier and have more deaths compared to the, compared to the other ones, that's all I'm gonna say. But yeah, that's really it, you guys. I I love Fate. I just wanted to dedicate this whole month to the Fate series because I just love it so much. I just can't. I love everything there is about Fate. Uh, I've watched all the Fate series. It's just really, really something that I just really love. The story is pretty epic, and when you, and the lore is amazing. I mean, like I said, there's so many different spinoffs, and of course, like I said, there is now a mobile, there's a, now, but there's been a mobile game for Fate, and there's been so many mangas, and light novels, and other games based off the Fate, and there's just so much, so much going on. And, of course, speaking of manga, our manga recommendation, I am going to give out the Fate Zero manga. Yes, there is actually a Fate Zero manga that you guys can read. There is eight volumes. There's 41 chapters. Um, and it basically, it's like a, it's basically just the manga version of the um, Fate Zero. Fate of Fate Zero, because the original source material for Fate Zero was a light novel, which I'm sure you guys can find online and read that one as well. But for anyone who wants to read a manga version, there is a manga version of the Fate Zero, and you guys can read that. And of course, for my anime recommendation, just watch Fate Zero, you guys. It is so good. They're so, um, I try not to spoil so much of the plot because a lot of it. The uh, reason why most people would say watch the first uh, three routes of the Fate series, then watch uh, Fate Zero, because Fate Zero does spoil a few things that happens in certain routes. But I tried my best not to reveal so much into it. I mean, there's some things that's kind of avoidable that you just have to say, because if not, then the story just gets even more confused, because you're like, what is this person talking about? But I digress. So I hope you guys have a very, very great Friday. Uh, go watch Fate Zero, you guys. Just go watch it. it it's, it's great. It's amazing. And it's just something that I think everyone should just go watch. It's very, very, very good. But all right. That's pretty much it, you guys. I'm going to end off with playing a little bit of the opening of the second opening of Fate Zero. I played the first opening. I hope you guys liked it, and this will be the second opening. I will see you all uh, Wednesday. Oh, that's right. I should probably tell you guys what I'm doing. So, Wednesday, to continue on our Fate Zero uh, Fate or Month, I will be talking about the first route of the Fate series, which is the Fate Stay Night route. Well, Fate route, like I said. And that one will be focused, we'll be focusing on our quote-unquote main character of the Fifth Holy Grail War, uh, Shiro Emiya, and we'll be focusing on the Saber route. So, as I said, I will be ending off with the second opening of the Fate Zero, and I hope we'll see you all Wednesday. Bye! <laughs> Thank you.